With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Glad you're with us. And just like that, the second hour is here. Hot Mike with Hudson Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Chad, I was uh, in an Uber. Uh, shout out Michael. Oh, no, excuse me, Matthew. 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 Uh, Matty. I hop in, and he has Outkick as one of his presets on the radio. Love it. Absolutely love it. Appreciate Matthew, you and, and all of you listening. This is a great radio partner. Your family. Your family right. now, Matthew. You're a part of the family. We appreciate you. And you can join us uh, on the YouTube as well. Chad's family right now in the chat. Chatting away. Uh, subscribe to the Outkick channel now. Surpassed a million subscribers. Hope you'll give us the thumbs up. Give us the like and uh, share the news. Outkick on YouTube. Scanning my Mac right now to try to get to go a little faster. But once this uh, scan gets done, I can, I can update you. I'm about you 72% it? through right now. That then I'll a, be back in the chat. What, so are, are you looking for viruses? What are you doing? Are you doing an update? Uh, well, the update, I needed to do an update. My, my computer's no. so slow. Oh, you've, you've done a previous update then. You know my theory on this. Yeah, don't do the updates. Apple devices, they I, will sabotage your battery. I updates. didn't do an update. It was the, the computer's not slow because of the update. I did not do the update. It got slower and slower and slower. So then I did the update, hoping that would help. And now I'm scanning for viruses on my uh, computer. But once that's done, I'm going to be right back at that YouTube chat, and I'll be chatting away with you. Can't wait. We thought we had a great update on the Pac-12 grant of rights um, through uh, John Canzano, who tweeted, the Pac-12 members have finalized the conference's grant of rights per sources. They've negotiated revenue sharing, sponsorship rights, and more. All, and all 10 members are ready to sign. And then the story goes into what the holdup might be and the jockeying down the stretch. Well, that makes it sound like we're going to hear news any moment. The problem with that tweet is the president at Arizona claims that he has no clue about anything being finalized and negotiated to the point where it's done. And so the saga and the confusion continues across the conference. Jim Williams, who is an analyst, Emmy award-winning uh, media guru, all things production, and he knows the sports world, the uh, negotiating world of what this is all about for sports with networks. He tweeted out that, well, the only thing he can confirm is that there has been considerable movement in the progress towards this new media rights deal. And in all caps, I was not able to confirm the report per John Canzano of the conference and the reigning 10 members signing a grant of rights or being willing to sign this new grant of rights. Uh, so here we go, down the, the drain again with trying to figure out where the Pac-12 is in figuring out where their footing is on the pedestal of college football and the tier of the Power Five that, I mean, could become a Power Four based on all of the other conferences trying to pick away at the top programs out West. 
And if you're one of the programs in the Pac-12 that has legitimate interest coming your way from Big 12, Big 10, whoever it may be, why on earth would you sign anything with the Pac-12 right now? Unless George Klyavikov is pulling a rabbit out of the hat and they've got a media deal they're getting ready to announce that is somewhat lucrative for the conference to stay together. But if that's not the case... I'm keeping my options open. Well, what, I'm not only I'm signing into anything right now with the Pac-12. What Robert Robbins said, the president at Arizona on Feinbaum, I was asked about a tweet from one of the reporters that the grant, right, the grant of rights deal with the Pac-12 has done. Details to follow. My answer was, quote, I have not been informed about any information in this tweet. <laughs> I mean, so, I mean. That's, clears that's a, it up. That's a pretty big gaffe uh, and hole that, that needs to be cleared up that clearly is nowhere close to being done. But another interesting uh, branch on this tree is circling back to something that's been discussed for the last couple of years. And we certainly heard about this in a, an alliance that the Big 12 was also involved in. That didn't last long. Uh, Jim Williams, also reporting in, involving the Pac-12, spoke to a couple of uh, ACC athletic directors. They remain in conversation with the Pac-12 about a partnership. Here's one AD's take. We, along with the Pac-12, are watching the Big Ten and Big 12 and the SEC and have our members on some sort of wish list. Well, I can tell you that we're going to be aggressive in staying together, and we think the Pac-12 could be a good partner in years to come. The ACC has been aggressive in trying to partner up with another conference, but Chad, as you're just saying, like if, if you're a program that could be picked up by one of the other three and you're not going to want to sign a grant of rights deal right now, why would, you, if you're the ACC, go ahead and, you know, join forces with the Pac-12 that may not have all 10 programs that are currently listed? Yeah, and I, I don't know what partnering up means, right? You know, we, we've been talking a lot about partnership and well, mergers all week. They've talked about, PJ like, and Live Tour. having a schedule and then, like, having a championship game between the two conferences yeah, and, and well, trying look, to... there's like the, you've got the, you know, the SEC Big 12 Challenge in basketball, and you've got things like that where you can schedule each other yeah. with a partnership. Notre Dame's partnership with the ACC, their scheduling right. partnership with them is an example of that. But if I'm those two conferences, when I hear partnership, I'm thinking bigger than that. I'm thinking we may need to merge to survive. Maybe. I'm not talking about just you know schedule well, you a game coast, around East Coast West Coast around battle. New Year's Day and basketball yeah. against each other. I'm talking we need revenue. And we need to go to war with television networks together when we're going to the negotiating table. Yeah. And let's negotiate on behalf of all of our member institutions from the eastern seaboard to the west coast and then get television rights done that way. So this was We a, may not be that far off from that type of situation happening for those two programs or others. This was a, a ACC athletic directors. And one of them was quoted as saying they know that the other three are trying to pick away at the teams. So Jim Williams then follows up with more news. The Big Ten has vetted these schools for possible future membership. And he, he clarifies, he's like, this is in no particular order or value. It's just the way he wrote them down as he was told. Cal, Stanford, Oregon, Washington, Georgia Tech, Virginia, North Carolina and Duke, Utah and Miami. And again, this is the Big Ten vetting these programs and schools. And then he adds in, it should be noted that when the Big Ten added Nebraska, they were going to invite Maryland as well, but held off. 
vetting is doing your homework. I'm not saying Oregon or Washington are never getting an invite. What I am saying is it's not a lock for the next couple of years because I think he's saying they are vetting a lot of other schools, not just those two, which has been long reported since the USC-UCLA announcement happened last July 4th weekend. So in order of my level of surprise to see that the Big Ten vetted them, number one is Georgia, Georgia Tech, Tech for me is the yes. biggest surprise. Yes. Number two for me would probably be Cal. Yeah, because you've already got two schools there. Yep. Number three, I mean, you get Northern California, Stanford would be the, the better brand to me if you're going to go that route. Um, Miami is surprising to me for the Big Ten. Duke, a bit of a surprise. But Duke, Virginia, Duke, Virginia, North Carolina, mm-hmm. I think very much go in with the Big Ten's mantra of being something other than just great at sports. They want to you know, act like they're superior from an academic standpoint sure. also. So that branding works. Cal and Stanford would obviously play yeah. into that as well. But Georgia Tech, which is a very good school, surprises me. I'm, the, the thinking there is kind of the old – 2012 way of thinking that it's television market and you get the Atlanta market I think it's just Atlanta. with Georgia Tech, right? I think. I mean, I, I think that's what that they're... It seems like a pretty old way of thinking, though, when they did the Maryland but, yeah. Maryland and Rutgers to get D.C., Baltimore, slash New York City. Yeah. That was an older way of thinking through that. But it's also like if, if that's the way of thinking for Georgia Tech, then what's the thinking behind Cal and Stanford given the fact that you're already adding UCLA and USC, right? Like it's, it's something completely different as to why you would vet those schools, if you're going to just say it's the market that we're after for Georgia Tech. I, I, think, I, I still think it's Oregon-Washington that make the most sense uh, based on the pairing and how things would factor in uh, for football, basketball, all that, and, and, and the branding of it, yeah. right? The Nike value with Oregon, for Now, instance. in order of what I would want if I were the Big Ten of least surprising moves, I put Washington and Oregon in a dead tie. For the top of it, that would make a ton of sense. Then I would go North Carolina, Miami. Yeah. I Duke and Stanford to me are kind of the same. Uh, I mean, it, it would it would make some sense. What about Virginia? Virginia. I mean, think about it from the basketball aspect. Yeah. Uh, academic aspect, and I mean, football's not great, but think about the other, the bottom half of the Big Ten right now in terms of football. Um, I think they have they have a ton of value. No, I, I How agree. about the schools they haven't vetted on this list? I'm trying to think of who would be angry they're left out of this. I, I mean... Colorado, it, maybe? Do you find it odd that they, they're not vetting Clemson or Florida State, but they're vetting Miami? That's a, that's a good observation. I, and again, this is just what Jim Williams was told. They're, they could be vetting more. I just I would expect to see those two schools on there if you're vetting Georgia Tech. I yeah, Clemson Especially given the fact that Florida State and, and Clemson want more money and grant of rights per year and they're pointing to the one hundred million dollar whatever I go television back to contract. That ACC Pac twelve partnership maybe being more of a partnership in the future than what we're thinking about now. I'm talking the coastal conference P- PGA live. Yeah, the Coastals Conference or something. Yeah, you just you go, basically go. You have bargaining power with each other, and you're more powerful negotiating television rights. You have the way. APC instead of the ACC. Yeah, there you go. I mean, that's that's how I coast you can to brand coast. it. The yeah. Coast to Coast Conference. Jay Monahan could have used our our PR and media yeah. relations uh, 
stance here. See, unlike Jay Monahan, though, we're, we're, we're not going to come on here, and if we're with the Pac-12 or ACC, <laughs> no. start calling the other conference evil the moment this <laughs> stuff starts happening and that you're selling your soul to Satan if you go to that conference and yeah. then a year later merge with them. That's what we're not going to do. We'll, we'll stay more quiet. Hutton, you and I can negotiate this deal better, this merger, because we'd stay perfectly quiet Maybe so. on the other conference and not make fun of them until we could lure them in for this mega conference together that goes coast to coast. That's how we'd make it work. Chad, we have long said we despise the anonymous quotes from the Athlon Sports football preview magazine, right? It, it, it's talking season right now. But every year, like, there will be an anonymous coach in the same conference that they list on their, their football team preview about, it could be something positive or negative. But you're like, when they're like, okay, who's taking shots here? What's the gain from the other program by getting this out there, this little pot shot? Well, I, I find it just dumb that it, in a day and age where you can have Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban go toe-to-toe, you know, have the face-off at the SEC spring meetings, that we're still seeing anonymous quotes about something so superficial as Dabo Sweeney is, you know, he's, he's preaching family. And they're pointing to the change at offensive coordinator and the fact that he didn't stay within the Clemson family as hypocritical. And I, I, I see that and I think, if anyone can preach family within the program, it's him based on the longevity of coaches that he has had within the program stick around. And the move that he made was not just necessary, but it is a huge boost for a program that needs a kick offensively. I, I, I don't see why that the anonymous coach takes that as like some big issue with Dabo that, oh, you want to preach family, but you're not going to hire from within. You're going to go out and you know, get the, the top, the top uh, play caller available. I mean, every program would do that. It's a real reach. And it's just to say all, all they hear in recruiting is family, 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 and then they go outside the family. To, now, to get, to, if, to if, you're trying to, if you're trying to insinuate that the family, family, family approach has always worked for them, but now it stopped working and they had to go outside the family final, finally to do something, because the start of the quote from the coach does make sense where he says, this is the most important year since they first won a national title at Clemson yes. because of the outside influence and all you hear from there is family, family, family. Well, they had to go outside the family to get the offensive coordinator. Now we're going to see how that works out because before they always promoted from within. Now that makes a little more sense. This also sounds like a coach who probably doesn't, whatever program they're with, doesn't have much over or on Dabo Sweeney and his program. And then you reach to this level to kind of call him a hypocrite for going outside the family to hire the offensive coordinator, there was which a, was one of the best hires of the offseason. There was an anonymous uh, quote from a Big Ten coach, assistant coach, could be anybody, taking a shot at Shiano and the way the, he's running the Rutgers program. And then you have guys that will actually put their name behind things where Lane Kiffin has just been like, yeah, I, I can't buy into the, the, the family aspect. Uh, he's, he just says he doesn't preach family in a world with name, image, likeness, and the transfer portal. You just can't do it. He's also referring to uh, the, the mantra of Clemson. And by the way, that's the, the NIL and transfer portal, Chad, that's also why this is a massive season for Clemson. Yes. Because Dabo is, you can't go on another official visit. 
You can't flirt with another program if you're committed to Clemson verbally. Well, everyone just got you off. And, and in this day and age, I mean, it, it is tough to just be like, all right, see the door I mean, sell, and, and stay afloat in college football. You got to sell your product, right? Like if your product, if you're Dabo Sweeney, your product is, and it's worked. It's been family, 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 culture. You commit here. You can't take visits, and it's worked for them. They've, they've, That's right. they've done great they've got with the that. Titles. Lane Kiffin is not going to be able to sell family, family, family. That's not who Lane Kiffin is. So he sells his own brand of swagger and talking about what you're going to do there at Ole Miss and how he's going to develop you on offense, especially quarterbacks. And guess what that got Lane Kiffin? Three of the best quarterbacks in the SEC all in the same roster, possibly. And, and the top wide receiver year. in the transfer portal. Yeah. Just, top player, apparently, on on three from, you gotta be, uh, from Texas San Antonio. You've got to be real. to who you got to be true to well, who you are. We have seen coaches in the past that have been very phony and tried to sell something they're not. And it always backfires. I think Dabo is 100% legitimate in selling who he is. He is the guy that, that he talks yes. about there. And I think the coaches that are the most successful are very comfortable with themselves, comfortable in their own skin. And that comes across to players and families in recruiting and players on the team. They know when they're being lied to or not. Players are smarter now more than ever because of the internet and social media. So just be real with guys and be who you are, and that's how you have a successful program. Oh, that and you got to be a good coach and be smart. But if you can put all those things together, you're going to have a lot of success. But you know what? The, the biggest version of phony are the coaches that are taking this, these shots anonymously. Yeah. Quoted anonymously. Put your name behind it. Now, it does. It, it leads to some spicy reading with Dabble that, that Athlon College Football Magazine. I do enjoy reading some of the quotes there, but it's also very cowardice yes coming up armando salguero joins us deandre hopkins is a free agent and a team that wasn't even listed among the potential landing spots for him is now the odds-on favorite to land him we got to discuss that plus dalvin cook and whether or not he's going to land in miami with the dolphins that's next on hot Mind. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. 
each and every Thursday, joined by Armando Salguero, NFL writer at OutKick.com, covering all things National Football League. Never a dull day for news. Certainly not today with Dalvin Cook. Uh, it, we knew this was coming. He's officially being released by the Minnesota Vikings. Armando, good to see you uh, on the beach. Very jealous of, uh, of your situation currently. Um, and I, I wonder, is, is Dalvin Cook eventually going to join you in South Beach? Well, uh, first of all, that back there is, I believe, Jacksonville. Oh. <laughs> because here in the lovely state of Florida, we have beaches all over here. All and around. Down here, and it's all one big beach. Is that where the um, new stadium's going for the renovations? Oh my God, the new stadium—it looks—it looks rocking. It really does look great for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Too bad they're not going to see it for four years. Yeah. Or yeah. so. So there's that. So but, hey, it, it, so it, I, when I look at the depth chart for the Dolphins, I explain where they make, and I would make room. I'm, I think Dalvin Cook's got a lot left. Uh, I know you do too. Or is is Miami his destination based on wanting to play where he's from? Absolutely. Uh, the, and it helps that the Dolphins have arguably the best wide receiver tandem in the NFL. It helps that the Dolphins have arguably uh, an elite defense on their hands, although they didn't prove it last year. There are changes afoot and there are reasons why you should believe that, including the addition of Vic Fangio as the defensive coordinator and Jalen Ramsey at the other cornerback to pair with perennial Pro Bowl cornerback Xavier Howard. And obviously it helps that, uh, you know, they were a playoff team last year. So all those factors plus, oh yeah, I live in town and I'm from the place. All those things way for Dalvin Cook. He'd also, uh, you know, kind of welcome, as I've reported, uh, a trip to Buffalo. There's a gentleman named James Cook of the Cook running back family who plays there already. And Dalvin wouldn't mind being, you know, in the same running back room as his brother. That'd be cool. So there's that. But I don't see the Bills as a team that is going to, you know, make the necessary moves financially to afford Dalvin Cook. I don't know that the Dolphins are. I don't really know that anyone is. Look, Dalvin Cook wants um, what likely most teams aren't prepared to give him, right? He would like to match the contract and make the $10 million that he was going to make this year. That's going to be hard. He was supposed to make $34 million the next three years. That's yeah. going to be hard. Uh, I, I smell a lot of teams offering a one-year contract to Dalvin Cook uh, coming down the pike. The, the team that had the most money going into free agency was Chicago. They remained the franchise with the most money under the cap. In a year where they're putting everything behind Justin Fields, at least that's what it looks like. They hope it works out. If Dalvin wants the money, Chicago should go after him. Well, uh, I'm sure that Chicago would have internal conversations about that. 
I'm not sure that that would be the place that Dalvin Cook ends up, merely because uh, they are at a certain progression in their process of becoming a good team. And and the next (laughs) step is not making the playoffs. (laughs) You don't go from having the number one overall pick to you're in the playoffs uh, the very next year with a quarterback who's in his third year. It's, it's a, it would be a huge leap. And I, and one of the things that cook wants is he also wants to be relevant or on a relevant team. Well, and that kind of leads into my question. Dalvin Cook's still a really good player. So not where is he going to end up, but which of the possible spots will he be the most impactful? Is it Buffalo? Is it Miami? Where do you see him fitting in to where he's going to make the biggest impact, not just on that team, but what could happen over the course of the season in the league? Also, we shouldn't we shouldn't forget about the Denver Broncos. They uh, have a need and interest. So there's that. Where would he be the most impactful? Look, I, I again, I think we've talked about this on the show before. Being a South Florida guy, having watched Dalvin Cook play in high school at Miami Central High, having watched him play at FSU, uh, roasting the Canes most of the time, um, and having watched them, you know, last year, if you're in the AFC East and you haven't been paying attention, put on the Buffalo tape and put on the Miami tape. Because against Buffalo, that was Dalvin Cook going some 60 yards for a touchdown. Against Miami, that was a 53-yard run for a touchdown. The guy is not just a running back that's going to get you the first down, although he is that. But he is the, the, the Thunderdome. Eventually, if you give him the ball often enough, there will be one play that just destroys the defense, takes the soul from their chest and delivers it to them on a platter via a 50 plus yard run. That's what his um, modus operandi has been throughout his career in the NFL at FSU. And before that, even in high school, that's who he is. Armando Salguero with us here on hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow, the post June 1st, Cut deadlines, or I mean, not deadlines, but the designations uh, include Dalvin Cook. But we also now have DeAndre Hopkins. He is officially a free agent, Armando. And his first visit uh, will be uh, reportedly here in in Nashville with the Titans. Mike Vrabel has confirmed that, uh, that they're going to meet early next week. Um, I'm curious where you come down on Hopkins, given the fact that he's 31 and... He's coming off of a season where he suspended six games for PEDs. And and also, right now, the odds-on favorite in Vegas to land him is Tennessee. I, I understand that's his first visit, so they rock it right up that list. But they weren't even listed. And I think they're not listed because the Titans are viewed as a franchise of rebuilding. And other, other franchises and offenses make a lot of sense. Does Tennessee make sense for Hopkins in your mind? I, I, it makes sense because they're interested and the number of teams that have been sufficiently interested to bring him in is so far one. <laughs> and so you gotta, to have a market 
You have to embrace whoever's in the market. The Titans are in the market. We will see to what extent. Because my guess is the the Tennessee Titans aren't going to offer DeAndre Hopkins if it gets to this point a three-year deal or a four-year deal. That's I don't believe that is what they're thinking. And to be frank, it's kind of hard to figure out exactly what the Titans are thinking yes. because a lot of their moves this offseason have suggested reset and not just casual, modest reset. We're talking, you know, significant, over-the-top kind of reset, as in the quarterback next year, not this season coming up, but the following season is probably going to be different. You know, they've asked Kevin Byard, who has a, a gr- been a great player for them, to take a pay cut. Uh, and I don't know if that's a situation that is over or not. It seems like it uh, is based on his comments, but I'll, I'll clarify that in a moment. Right. Um, it, his comments is one thing. The trade deadline is another. <laughs> so, so there's that. And their offensive line has been remade. Uh, they got rid of some salary cap weight on defense and throughout the roster. Look, they have a new GM. They have a, a remade coaching staff. Who are the Tennessee Titans? What direction are they looking to, to go to? Are they trying to build on the fly and be good? Not many teams have been good at that. Bill Parcells used to want to do that all the time. And Rand Carthen having experience with Bill Parcells, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if he wants to do that as well. Rebuild as you still continue to compete. It's hard to do. It's very hard to do because you have to strike a balance between getting rid of some proven players and and believing that the guys that you are bringing in are as good, if not better. Right now, they have the worst wide receiver room in the NFL. No doubt. And, and the other fascinating aspect of the franchise for me is the previous general manager John Robinson traded for Julio Jones at the age of 32 massive bust zero production here he last year drafted a backup quarterback and a backup running back Rand Carthon is now going to visit with a 31 year old wide receiver and this draft he drafted on day two a backup quarterback and a backup running back they're running it back with a different general manager, but it seems like the same mindset. It's it's a very odd, I'm with you. It's tough to tell what they're doing because of the money allocated to certain players and how they're asking others to, to take pay cuts. Kevin Byard showed up to mandatory minicamp, uh, spoke to reporters today, and, and uh, to clarify the story, the Titans asked him to take a pay cut. He said no, and... You know, he was insulted by it. I don't blame him. He's been a staple and a a solid player for this franchise and the league. Stood up there today and said, hey, uh, my job this year is to be the best safety that I can possibly be for the Tennessee Titans. Bravo uh, and a stand-up job for what's been a a crazy offseason of, you know, asking one of your top guys to take a pay cut, which doesn't mean getting a raise. It's not like they're extending or restructuring. It's like, hey, we want you to take half or whatever it is. A very different vibe in that locker room. And most players, Armando, don't take it the same way. Right. And just just so that I can explain myself and what I meant by the trade deadline. Look, it's outstanding that 
Kevin Byard has a great attitude now. It's June. Amazing. He's at mandatory minicamp. He's not getting fined. Typically, what happens in the NFL is when a team asks you to take a pay cut, they've got a second move in mind if the player decides, I'm not doing that. And the second move is, okay, we're all good. And then they're trying to trade the guy or they're going to cut the guy. We saw that today with Dalvin Cook. What I'm saying is if things don't go exactly correct for the Tennessee Titans as they want, or if someone comes along and says, hey, uh, you asked Kevin Byard to take a pay cut, is he available? I would not be surprised if those conversations are ones that the Tennessee Titans would absolutely welcome. So, Armando, the NFL certainly is not taking some of these players that are getting popped for gambling uh, lightly. They've enlisted Tom Brady to put out a video that the league has sent out to players uh, where Brady points out that betting on games not only hurts the integrity of the NFL, but it hurts the reputation of you and everyone on your team. Is this something that may be getting more serious than we previously thought? There's not been a ton of players that have been caught doing this so far, but is this a bigger issue than maybe we're thinking about right now? It's a big issue to the NFL simply because it's an integrity issue. The NFL prides itself on the, you know, the the red, white, and blue shield and, and protecting the shield, as Roger Goodell has said, and protecting the integrity of the game. They've gone after owners even for, you know, sort of diminishing perhaps the integrity of the game. And so gambling, when the games when fans are not certain whether games are straight or not, whether they're legit or not, that is at the core of integrity of the game. And that is why this offseason you've seen a not a crackdown, but you've seen some significant investigations of the entire league to make sure that guys aren't doing this stuff. The problem with that is that a lot of the players that have spoken out even on basis of being anonymous with media say that they're not certain what the rules are exactly because sometimes in the past the educational powerpoint has been you know whatever 10 minutes 15 minutes and you're done well now the NFL is trying to make sure that guys understand the Washington Commanders for example They had a presentation yesterday by an NFL official. They're going to have another one, uh, you know, uh, prior to training camp when it begins. They had a player that was suspended. And so the NFL has enlisted Brady, is enlisting PowerPoints, is emphasizing be aware of what the rules are. And frankly, they needed to do that because the rules are kind of weird. You, a, a player can make a bet on the Los Angeles Lakers outside the locker room, down the, down the block. But if he does the same thing within the locker room, he has violated the, the gambling policy. A player can do that outside the locker room, down the block. But the team president, the general manager, the coaching staff, the beer salesman, 
the concessionaire at the stadium, all those people, they can't because that violates the NFL gambling policy. It's a wacky, uh, nuanced policy and uh, not shockingly written by lawyers. And it's confusing at times. I wonder, and I, I should dig in and see that there are 21, 22 states now that have legalized uh, sports apps for yeah. betting. Online sports gambling. I want to I know, like, are, are a lot of these guys doing it when they land, if it's a visit, like, during the season, if they're on the road and it's not legal in their state and they land and it's legal, like, Chad and I constantly remind each other if we're going on a trip, if we're about to go into a state where we can't set a bet, so we do it before we go, and, and then, you're, then you're trapped. Like, I, I think, I don't know if that's the case, but I think it's, it's also... You're exactly right. The clarification should have happened when they set the policy and they took the money before they had a policy in place. And I, I just think there's a lot of confusion. Well, isn't the only real reason, to st- uh, the real way to stop it is to just forbid players from having an app on their phone at all, as long as you're a player in the league? I would do it if I'm an agent. I mean, if I'm an well, agent, I would ask my players not to do it, absolutely. But that's something that they'd have to negotiate with the players' the union. But that would be the way to do it, right? Wouldn't you push for that if you're the league, Armando? Well, that's hard to push for. I mean, uh, that gets into freedom issues. And you're going to tell a guy you can't have something on your phone. They're doing it with their own employees. Uh, Yeah. Well, that's that's a different matter altogether. The the players have collective bargaining. Uh, The other guys don't. (laughs) So uh, and so the players have a union that can push back. The other guys don't look it, it, it's 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 pretty simple. Yeah, it, it's hard to say do this. But Jerry Jones and Robert Kraft are invested in DraftKings. It's hard to do this. But the league is making millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars from sponsorships has partnerships with the three major gambling outfits. It's hard to say you can't put an app on your phone when every Sunday morning show has DraftKings FanDuel and Caesars commercials, uh, and those monies from those commercials get basically seeped down into NFL coffers via advertising revenue that the television networks use to then sign mega television contracts with the league. Armando Salguero, he always re-educates us each and every week, and you can do this daily. He brings the NFL knowledge. He brings the good vibes with the beach setting every time. Always good vibes being thrown at us, too. Armando, you're the man. A million subscribers on YouTube, Armando. You guys are amazing. Uh, but the grand headline that I take out of this entire segment is you two are gambling degenerates. I didn't know this. Thank you very much. I bet on Colombian basketball just so I can watch it live on the app. So (laughs) Chad Chad once had 13 cents left in his account. He created a 13 cent parlay. I rallied. I rallied. I won that 13 cent parlay. (laughs) And now I've got $27 in my account, Armando. Thank you very much. And it's about to go back up. Victory Thursday. That's right. Truly amazing. We're all winners today, Armando. We're all winners. Enjoy Jacksonville. (laughs) Thanks.
The, Armando uh, Salguero there. The North Florida Atlantic Ocean is just <laughs> oh. beautiful this time of year. Oh, what a terrible city. It could be great, and it's just barren it's, in Jacksonville. It's, it's not great. Coming it's not up, great. Chad, you don't think the father for baby Gronk is great at parenting? Someone needs to call the authorities on this guy after reading this interview. We'll discuss. We discuss Baby Gronk next on OutKick. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Glad you're with us on the Thursday edition of Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow here on OutKick. Chad, who is Baby Gronk? Uh, I know he's a social media sensation. Uh, Libby Dunn is posting uh, stories with him. Um, he's got like 300 to 400,000 followers, I believe, on social. And he's famous for being a big kid at 10 years old. But he's his got father, fake tattoos on his, his arm. His father has planned all this even before he was born? Yeah, so Ari Wasserman of The Athletic did an interview with this kid, Baby Gronk's father. First off, for all the hundreds of thousands of people that follow, you're following someone's child on social media. That's odd to me to begin with. You're following a kid. That's creepy. Like, don't. And you're feeding this guy's ego. This dude, the dad. All right, someone should call child services on this father, quite frankly, after reading this interview. Um, One of the questions... Why is there a picture of your son with Nick Saban? And the, the dad's answer is, he went to a camp with Nick Saban. Every camper gets a picture with a coach at camp, right? But not every picture will go viral. Only baby Gronks will go viral because we have the following. The dad admits to having this vision for his kid before he was born and when he was born that he knew all the right social media people. He's got friends who played in the NFL. This dad works out at a gym with famous people in Dallas. Uh, he, he name drops Derrick Henry as one name that works out in this gym. So he know he's got the right connections, and he's worked the system to where his son is a viral sensation because he's a bigger kid who plays football. He's even asked in this, is he really even that good at football? Is he being recruited by teams, or is this all just a ploy? And the dad basically admits, I'm using my son to make money on social media to where even if he doesn't make it, how about he starts out life with $1 million? That's a jump start most kids don't get, and we're going to do all this through social media. The problem here is you who follow this guy, that this kid. I would lo- love to ask right now, everyone, if you've heard of Baby Gronk and you follow them, please don't fo- unfollow. Stop it. You are feeding this system of a child being exploited by their own parents. Unfollow Baby Gronk right now. Let's all at OutKick... Let's take it upon ourselves to unfollow Baby Gronk. I never followed him to begin with. You know why? I don't follow people's children on social media. Just a real blanket deal with me that I'm not – if it's not a family member, I'm not going to follow a 10-year-old on social media. That should get you investigated by the authorities in most cases. This is sick. It's creepy. 
The dad needs to be thrown in with social services. I hate this whole story. What does Gronk think about this? Gronk should sue them for use of his name. <laughs> I don't know if Gronk and his team, they, if they were smart enough to get a trademark on Gronk where they could actually know, sue so. for that. But, I mean, if they're using his name, image, likeness and going with baby Gronk, maybe they should file a lawsuit. I mean, I, you know what? I, I'll end up following this if, uh, if we can have a face-off and a potential boxing match between this dude, uh, this dude's kid, uh, baby Gronk, and Hasbula. Well, it's and it's Hasbula, not uh, face to face. It's not the kid's fault. You know, I want to make that clear. Like the, the kid is being exploited by the dad, and the dad can act like he's doing this for all the right reasons. Well, he's, admitting, and, he's admitting he's not right. He's admitting that he's doing yeah, it for financial gain. Well, he's doing it for financial gain, but he's he's saying he, he wants his son to start out with a million dollars. So they're saying, what if he doesn't make it? And he said, well, I realize he may not make it as a college athlete. Yeah. yeah. So why not let him go to school with a million dollars? Because he made all this money as a kid. Well, the, the weird that thing is, that is exploitation. The weird thing is he was asked when this all got started, and he he says he claims he's he's had this plan prior to his son being born. Yeah, like this is all like some following some script, some, yeah, this some dad's viral. A, this script. dad's a real prophet. Let me tell you, he's biblical in his ab- 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 ability to prophesy about his son and the social yeah, but, media sensation he'd become. So where were we though in social media ten years ago? We had Twitter, TikTok wasn't around. Instagram uh, certainly get, wasn't getting the push that, that Facebook had. There's no way that he could have planned this so that here's long the, ago. The name, I don't think the name so, dropping, from the viral aspect of Yeah, it. the name dropping from the dad. He says, I know people in the gym I work out in. Tony Pollard, Derrick Henry. I've met Julius Randle over there. Zeke Elliott, Dak. They live close to us. My friend is Dak's personal barber. So he cuts <laughs> Dak, Michael Gallup, Pollard's hair. I know Amari Cooper. I've been around. This guy says he also compares himself to Booby Miles from Friday Night Lights. You know where we're headed. And with said this, he was Scott. a high school star tore his ACL. He's or going, he would have made it. He's going to be like at the ESPYS. We will see him like announce a pick for the NFL. It'll be up there with Gronk. Maybe maybe he's going to be on SNL soon. Who knows? No, his father won't be. Not if I have anything to say about it. Unfollow, yeah. unfollow right now. It is kind of annoying, and I haven't even seen this. Like and I haven't it, seen this not, Instagram. It's account. not the kid's fault. No. It's the dad's fault. Let me make that clear. I'm fine with this kid. I wish you well. Go get all the scholarships. You can. Wonder if he could play softball. Go light up a bunch of ten year olds in your Saturday morning football game that starts at eight AM. Go ahead. Everyone is singing the praises of Jokic, including Kendrick Perkins. Imagine that. That's next on Hot Mike.